0: She did not make that game. She did not make that game. Even though she really loved that game. Hey, but I do want to encourage you to use a paper copy of God's Word, not your phone, because you can be easily distracted. We got paper copies up here in front. We're in the book of Hebrews. Yeah, we're back in Hebrews. Come on. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through chapter 6, verse 3. I'll give you a moment. Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 11. And we'll go into the first part of chapter 6. As you're turning there, as you're finding there, I want you to imagine you just went to a time machine and you now just went back two weeks, okay? You are a time traveler and you just went back two weeks in time. It's August 13th. It's Connect Sunday, Promotion Sunday. It's big in the life of the church. You move on to the next grade. You move on to the next Connect group. You got the freshmen, made the big move over here. You had the the fifth graders that are now sixth graders. They did the walk. They are now in the student ministry. Incredible time, exciting time. We're all excited to jump into our new Connect groups. But I want you to imagine this, my juniors and seniors. Yeah. Yeah. Hey y'all, hey, y'all are excited. Juniors, you're moving over into the junior hallway, right? And seniors, you guys are out of this in your own separate area. You guys are really excited about that, excited about the curriculum. It's awesome. Promotion Sunday, you finally get to be over there. You are the upperclassmen. Okay. Now, we're, we went back two weeks in time. So I dismissed y'all and y'all just went to your class. But I want you to imagine. I say, hey, junior, seniors, wait a minute. Everyone goes to the classroom and says, I will take you to your classroom. So like, okay, Dylan, that's really weird. You've never done that in the last five years, but okay, take me to my classroom. So I say, hey, follow me. So I keep walking. I start walking towards the back of the room, and I just walk out of the high school room. So I walk past the junior hallway, and you're like, oh, well, Dylan, that's our room. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're going a new place. Maybe he's got a new plan. So we're walking there. You're like, oh, okay. Maybe we're all meeting together and you know, where the seniors have their connect group. Oh, great. So I'm walking, and then I walk out of the student building. Uh, out through this big hallway, and you're like, hey, Dylan, the seniors meet over here. Okay, well, I guess we're not doing that. So you're like, okay, Dylan's taking us on a field trip, taking a field trip to Quail Springs Baptist Church. So I'm walking, and I walk past the fellowship hall, and I keep going straight. I'm heading towards the chapel. And then all of a sudden, I take a right, and then I'm heading towards the children's ministry. I walk in the children's ministry, and you're like, okay, are juniors, seniors helping out with, like, the little kids now? Like, great, yeah, I'm ready to serve. And we go in there, and then we go to the two-year-old's class, and you look in there, and Noble's eating some crackers. He's eating some crackers, sitting on the mat, and you're like, oh, hey, Noble, Dylan, you just want us to show your child off? Like, what is going on? And I open the door and say, hey, y'all come in, y'all come in. Okay, did any of y'all have Miss Brenda as a Sunday school teacher? My people, Miss Brenda is amazing. She's amazing. Last year was her last year teaching, and Noble got to be in her classroom, and it was Incredible for him to be in there. She teaches the basics of, like, little two-year-olds holding the Bible to fold their hands and bow their heads and close their eyes to pray. She teaches all these incredible tools and fundamental things to our two-year-olds. I'm telling you, hey, hey, come on in here. Like, okay, cool. I guess we're hanging out with Noble. Like, you're sitting next to Noble. He's just kind of looking at you like, what you doing? You're in here. You're sitting and you got Miss Brenda in there. And I and I look, hey, awesome, guys. See you later. And I close the door and I walk out. And you're like, okay, now you just left us in here. And Miss Brenda looks at everybody and says, okay, everybody, hey, grab a Bible. This is how you hold a Bible. And she puts a Bible in your lap. And she says, okay, this is how we open the Bible. And she's teaching you how to hold and open the Bible. Do you think you would be out of place in that room? Be like, okay, Dylan, I'm a junior. I'm an upperclassman. I'm ready to lead in the student ministry. I, this is my rite of passage. I'm a junior and a senior now. Here's the reason why I tell that story. There's many of us that believe that we're leaders. There's many of us that believe that we're growing in our faith, that we're good with Jesus. But spiritually, we're at the level of a two-year-old. Where the most we ever open our Bible is when I come in here and tell you to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 5. Many times, you guys are not growing in your faith personally, and the only thing you get is instruction on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning. The passage that we're talking through today in Hebrews 5 is not like a happy-go-lucky passage. He's actually like, he's going in on his audience. He's going in on the readers. And you may feel a little like challenge, conviction tonight. Like this is not me just going to you. I'm just reading God's word. But what I want us to see tonight is as a believer, we're called to grow in our relationship with Jesus and our intimacy with him. We're not to grow stagnant. We're not to just go week in and week out doing the same old thing and actually not engaging in a relationship with Jesus. That's what we're going to be challenging tonight. That's what we're going to be walking through. Let me read Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 6, 3, and maybe some of this will make a little more sense. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He's coming in on these people. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the, word of unrighteous, in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance of dead works and faith towards God. And of instruction about washings, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let's pray. God, we pray and we, we thank you for your son Jesus, Lord. We thank you for this youth group. We thank you for our friends in this room. Lord, I thank you for the first time visitors here tonight. God, would you speak a word that convicts us but also calls us to yourself. Because you are the solution, you are the hope that we look for, and you are the hope that does not disappoint. So God, as we open your word, would you speak to us? Your word is living and active, Lord, would it come in, wreck house, and build up new in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my first point for us to, to, you can write down on your sermon notes tonight, is that immaturity impedes, immaturity impedes growth. It impedes growth. Look at verses uh, verse 11 through 14. About this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Immaturity impedes growth. We see that the author is going to name four different things of what his audience is. He gives them four descriptions of what they are. Number one, they're apathetic. Number two, they're immature. Number three, they're unskilled. And number four, they're not wise. They're apathetic, immature, unskilled, and not wise. We see it says, it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. What's hard to explain? What's the author talking about? He's talking about in verse 8 and 9 in chapter 5. If you just look up the, the, the verses right there. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's talking about salvation. Jesus is the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And he's talking about this idea of a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, I know we've talked about Melchizedek a couple times um, in Hebrews, but there's this big idea, and it's a really cool, fascinating, like, study on your own deal. But Melchizedek is this priest in the Old Testament, and many believe that Melchizedek is the pre-incarnate Christ, that it was Christ in the Old Testament before he was born in the New Testament. Now, incredible, crazy, I encourage you, look it up. It's, it's really fascinating, really cool to see. But he's talking about Jesus being the salvation, Jesus being after the order of the high priest, Melchizedek. He says, hey, we have much to say about this. I want to break this down for you. I want to go into detail with you. But it's really hard to explain to you because you are dull, dull. Of hearing, he says, "You're apathetic. You're lazy. You're numb to the hearing of God's word." Do we get like that sometimes? When we come to church on Wednesdays, we come to church on Sundays. We do all the youth group things, but he, here's here's where the apathy, the laziness, and being numb to the God's word happens. It's when we come to Wednesday nights. It's when we come to Sunday mornings. Yet we never commune with God by ourselves. Because we come here and we say, okay, Dylan says open God's word and you open up to Hebrews 5. You're like, great, I'm getting my reading done for the week. But you don't have an intimate relationship with the Lord because you are just living life on your own. You are seated on the throne of your heart, not Jesus. Because if Jesus is seated on the throne of our heart, we are spending time with him daily. But when we don't spend time with him, when it's not the thing we actually live out, and we come to church and we hear all of these good things we need to do and need to learn about Jesus and all that stuff, we become dull to it because we're not actually open to it. Because if we're open to God's word, we're open for him to come in and wreck our lives, for us to surrender completely to him, for us to surrender the temptations in our life and the places where we fail. When we are dull of hearing, we are just wanting to live our own life. We become lazy and numb. It's so easy. There's so many of us that I just ask a question. There's people that have been here since they were born, all the way through to high school. There are people who here, have here been uh, here since sixth grade, since freshman year. Wherever you are, there's many of us that are in here. We come here every single week, yet we're numb. We're apathetic to God's word. We're apathetic to his call on our life because we don't actually spend time with them outside of Wednesday nights. That's what that's what the author is telling these people. He says, You don't commune with God. You're numb, you're dull of hearing because he is not the number one priority in your life. I mean, I, I don't have to tell Gen Z about apathy. Y'all see a ton of your friends being apathetic. Apathetic towards school, apathetic towards life. In general, you see that. Once you recognize that, you can probably start recognizing it in yourself and in your friends. Even in our youth group, we don't want apathy from you. The, the author does not want apathy from the readers. He says, I want to go deeper, but you're dull of hearing. You're numb. You're lazy. <laughs> not very encouraging words to start off the passage here. It says, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So with, uh, with Noble, we also have Briggs. Briggs has turned 11 months this, uh, this month. Really love Briggs. He's just awesome, crazy, going everywhere, pulling roly-polies out of his mouth, munching on everything, running everywhere. Like, he's, he's awesome. Yes, he, I pulled a roly-poly out of his mouth. I, I was like, bro, protein, I guess. Uh, but one of the big things that we do, like, four times a day, five times a day, Brittany knows better than me because she's a great parent. Is that we feed Briggs a bottle, multiple times a day? And You guys are probably like Dylan. You're 30. Why do you have a bottle up here? Got a baby bottle. This is this is the bottle that Briggs eats from. Now he gets most of his diet from the bottle. Now we he's starting to eat some more solid food, uh, and he munches on stuff. But for the first part of his life, the first six months, like boy is just downing milk all the time. Now. I want my boys, I want them to be, you know, I want them to be men. I want them to eat steak. Like, just love the men, manly things in life. Now, when Briggs was born on September 29, 2022, we're in the, the operating room. I didn't go up to, to Briggs and call into the ranch steakhouse. Hey, can I get a medium rare? Can I get a nice medium rare steak for my son? And, like, he comes out the womb, like, they clean him off, and I just, like, stick a steak in his mouth. Like, yeah, that's Right. Like, no, like that's not right. You can't do that. He needs milk. He needs milk because he's an infant. He's a child. And those nutrients, that's what makes him grow up big and strong. And then he can start eating solid foods. Well, what the author is saying here, he's saying, by this time, you should be eating steak. By this time in your life, because these are believers that he's talking to. He's not talking about new believers. He's not talking about... First time people hearing about Jesus. He's talking about people who have heard about Jesus and follow him. He's saying by this time you should be teachers of God's word. Now he's not saying, hey, you should be pastor rummages of God's word. You should be student pastors of God's word. He's saying, no, you should be teachers, which means that you're a disciple maker. You're an everyday believer telling people about Jesus. He says you ought to be teachers right now. But you need to be taught the basic principles of the oracles of God. The basic principles, the ABCs. You have to be taught to go to the two-year-old room to be able to learn how to open the Bible and find the Bible. Like, you should be further along. You should be teaching. He's saying if you're a senior, you shouldn't be in the two-year-old class. He's saying, but the, the reality of the situation is you should be eating steak, but you need milk. Because you're a child. He, he says that. He says, since he is a child, in verse 13, that when you are walking, there's a lot of you guys have been in this church for a long time. You've seen God move in big ways. God does not desire you to stay stagnant in your faith where you just come to church on Wednesdays and Sundays and then throughout the rest of the week you're doing your own thing. He wants a fully surrendered disciple. That tells other people about Jesus. That we are able and ready to equip in season and out of season to tell people what we read in our our time with the Lord this morning. Because we're actively walking with the Lord. That we should be ready to tell people about Jesus at any moment during the school day. But he says to his readers, he says, but you need to be taught again the basic principles. Like you should be further along than this. My question to you, is that speak to you, where you are in your walk right now? Verse 13. So he's saying you're immature in your faith. The third third thing he says is that you are unskilled. Verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Apathetic, immature, unskilled. He says you live on milk which means you are unskilled. Yes, Briggs cannot eat a steak, so he's not skilled in eating. Here, let, let me put it this way. There's many of us, if I called you on stage right now, which, get over the stage right, just imagine you're on stage, and it's just me and you. And I hand you my Bible, and I say, hey, could you find the book of Jeremiah for me? Some of you all start shaking in your boots. Hey, can you can you find the book of Hebrews for me? Hey, can you find the book of Ruth for me? And, you know, this ain't Mr. Mark's sword drill. We're not talking about the sword drill here. But are you skilled in the Word of God? Do you actually spend time in the Word of God? Because let me tell you this. If I go to my house, I can close my eyes. You can ask me anything about my house. And I can tell you exactly where it is. I can tell you where my house, house is. I can tell you where my, me and Brittany's room is. I can tell you where Briggs' room is and Noble's room. I can tell you where our bathrooms are. I can tell you where Noble's Buzz Lightyear and his snake named Hopper and his puppy. Like, I can tell you where all of those things are located. Why can I tell you that? Because I spend time in it every single day. I know the ins and outs of our house. I know the good things and the bad things. Because I'm in there. I spend time with it. Y'all, there's many of us that are unskilled in the word of God because we don't spend time in the word of God of God. Now as believers, this is our diet. This is what we are to be feeding ourselves each and every single day. Yet we call ourselves believers yet we don't spend any time with Jesus. What sense does that make? It says you're apathetic, you don't really care, you're numb to it. You're immature, you should be further along, and you're unskilled because you don't spend time in God's word. Now I'm not saying you got to be a sword drill wizard. You ask me some things, I will get some things wrong. Right? We're human. We don't know absolutely everything, but we should know our way around God's word because this is what feeds us. This is what puts a light into our path. This is the living and active word of God that's profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training, righteousness, so the man of God may be equipped for every good work, Second Timothy chapter 3. It is paramount to your life that we are skilled in the word of God. Are you skilled or unskilled? Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The fourth thing that he says here is that they are not wise. They're unwise. Because he says solid food is for the mature, right? The grown-ups, they eat steak. The things of God, the things they are ready for them. They're ready for solid food. For they have powers of discernment trained by constant practice. They have discernment. Why? Because their appetite. They have discernment because they are skilled in God's word because they spend time with him. They are intimate with the Lord. They have discernment and wisdom because it's coming from the living and active word of God. So he's telling the audience, not only are you apathetic, you're immature, you're unskilled, but you're not wise. And when we live our life separate from God, it's because we are unwise. We have no discernment because we're not being guided by God's word, by his will for our life. He's calling them out. says, discernment, wisdom comes from me to be able to distinguish good and evil. Do you all have to distinguish and discern every single day at school to do this or to do that, to follow this, to To cheat on this test or cheat on this homework or not to do that? There's all these things that we have to walk through and choose every single day. Wouldn't you want your wisdom coming from God's word and not your friend? So we, we see immaturity impedes growth and we see what the author is just going in on these people. My question, does any of that resonate with you? Does any of that speak to where you are in your walk with the Lord right now? Because I don't want to just leave you there. If you feel a little, like, brushed back and challenged and convicted, like, my goal is not to leave you there. Because Scripture doesn't leave you there. Scripture scripture doesn't leave us without a hope. And we see, uh, lastly, in chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, my second point, is that proximity fosters growth. Proximity fosters growth. Verses 1 through 3. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Proximity fosters growth. Verse 1. We, he's saying, because of all of these things, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, and you're like, okay, Dylan, that sounds real wrong. Like, how are we supposed to leave Jesus? Like, the doctor, like, we're you supposed to graduate from that? I had a buddy say, you say it this way: you never graduate from the gospel. There's many of us that believe that the gospel is the first step of sanctification, where we are just climbing this ladder of becoming more and more holy. The process of sanctification is the, the process of becoming like Jesus. The gospel is not the first step. It is the guardrail in which we hold on to as we walk our life in Jesus. We need the gospel every single day. So what is the author saying? Saying let's leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. What he's saying is says, let's build upon it. Stop hanging out in the two-year-old room and start living your faith. Start actually engaging in God's word. Start actually living it out rather than being a two-year-old learning how to just hold it, or a high schooler that only opens it when I tell you to open it to the book of Hebrews. He says, leave, build upon the doctrine of Christ, and go on to maturity, right? We see the four things that he calls them. We want to be called passionate. We don't want to be called apathetic Christians because that means we're numb and we don't care. We want to be passionate about our faith because Jesus changed our life. He changed our direction. We want to be passionate. We want to be mature. Go on to maturity. We want to be skilled in God's word, and we want to be wise. Those are the things that we want to be described as as a believer, not as immature, apathetic, unwise, and unskilled. He says, go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and a faith toward God. There's many of us that that use church, use the youth group, use Falls Creek, use Gravity as a time to air all of our grievances, air all of the sin that we did that year, and say, God, I'm so sorry. Hey, I'll see you next year. And just go on and live your life the way you do. That we are just simply repenting to make ourselves feel better. Since that's not the foundation you build upon, the foundation you build upon Is the repentance of your sins because Jesus is faithful to forgive when we repent and trust in him. That's the foundation you want of a faith that is alive, a faith that actually trusts in Jesus. Not one that just says, I'll see you next year, which many of us use church for. That's not what God desires from us. Verse 2, and of instruction about washings and laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He's getting into a couple different things about what, as a believer, we are to follow the ordinances of the church. We to be baptized after we come to know Jesus. There's people in this room that have not been baptized after they've come to know Jesus. If you are one of those people that have not given your life to Jesus, we want to talk to you. If you've given your life to Jesus and you haven't been baptized, we want to follow up. We want to see you be baptized and proclaim your faith amongst all your peers in our congregation. But we see our foundation should be our salvation. It should be growing in Him. And at the end of that it says the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. We must live with the mindset that the resurrection is real and if the resurrection is real, it changes our life. Because eternal judgment, like it says, is coming. If we truly believe it is coming, we truly believe Jesus is who He says He is that He is the Son of God that came to take on your sins upon the cross, that you would have an opportunity to be saved. If we truly believe that, we believe that judgment is coming. And we know we all have friends that don't know Jesus. We all have friends and maybe family members that don't know Jesus. How passionate are we that they come to know Jesus? As a believer that is growing, so should your passion for the lost. So should your passion for those who are far because judgment is coming for them, Judgment was coming for you, but Jesus washed you white as snow. He can do that for your friends. He can do that for you in the room if you have not given your life to Jesus. We must live with those on the forefront of our mind. That's what a believer, a mature believer does. So you've heard a lot of negative things about apathy and immaturity and unskilled and unwise. And you see that we're supposed to be passionate we're supposed to be skilled we're supposed to be mature and we're supposed to be discerning and wise we see in verse 1 and 2 to build upon the doctrine of Christ to build upon and grow so how do we do that is it through our effort is it through our own giftings is it through our, through our purpose and our status verse 3 and this we will do if God permits the secret sauce of a mature disciple of Jesus, is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That's the secret sauce. Are you dependent on God to move in your life? Are you dependent on God to move in your friend's life? Are you dependent on God to live each and every single day? Because there's many of us that live in a way that if we take Jesus completely out, our life does not change. Are you praying for a friend? Are you truly depending on Jesus for that? Are you truly depending on them to get through the friend drama that you have, to get you through the tough times or the divorce in your family or the loss of a friend? Are you depending on the Holy Spirit? Because, I believe I'm expecting for, for God to move in a mighty way through our student ministry. I believe in this next year we're going to see some massive change of lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We must be expectant and dependent on God. God is only going to move if we're dependent on him. He's not going to deal with us if we're just saying, oh, we're just going to go about business as usual. We're just going to come to Wednesday nights. We're just going to come to Sunday mornings and just keep doing what we want to do Monday through Friday. He wants a, a, a group of disciples that want to make disciples, that want to teach others about Jesus. He wants them to rely on him and ask him, to open doors, to open hearts for them to come to know Jesus? Are you dependent on the Holy Spirit? Y'all, I got to check myself on that. There's many times I want to do things within my own power. But it is only God who can change hearts. It is only God who can make a revival happen. And if you want to see a revival happen, if you want to see God move in your own life, you've got to depend on Him. Are you willing to? As the band comes up, I want you to identify where you are tonight. Are you in the camp of your believer, but dadgum, you're apathetic, you're immature, you're unskilled, and you're not wise? Would that describe you? Or are you in the camp where you are a mature believer? You are growing in passion, you are growing. It's not like you get to a point where you arrive, we're all on this journey together. But we only grow if our proximity is to the Holy Spirit. Because he is the one that will grow us. He is the one that will guide us and grow us into maturity. Or are you in the room tonight and you don't know Jesus? You're not in either camp and you say, I want to place my faith and trust in a God who desires to know me and save me. That is available to you tonight. So as the band plays, I want you to, to really ponder where are you? What's your next steps? Because your next step should be seeking the Holy Spirit in His Word. Get to know His Word. It will guide you. It will transform you. Because it is the living and active Word of God. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would just come in our hearts and you would wreck our house. Lord, I pray that the challenge of your Word tonight, calling out those that are immature, calling those out that have been in the faith, that have been in the church for a long time. God, are they following you? Are they dependent on you, God? I pray that they would be. I pray that you would challenge them, but also encourage them. That the solution is the gospel. The solution is Christ's death and a resurrection, which gives us life, which gives us joy. God, for those that don't know you, I pray that they would their eyes would be open to their need of you. That their life has no purpose outside of you, and their life has no hope outside of you. God, I pray that this youth group would be one that you would take hold of and you would run with. And God, you would explode this place with people coming to know Jesus left and right. God, as we praise your name, as there is nothing else we want more than Jesus, God, I pray that would be our anthem, not only tonight, but tomorrow morning as well. God, we praise you. You deserve glory. Thank you for your son Jesus. In his name we pray them to your feet. We're going to